Doctors know their patients often don't take their medications, whether they forget or may be merely procrastinating. But the lack of patient compliance with their prescriptions has financial ramifications that are enormous. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Steve Miller. Dr. Miller is Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer, Research and Clinical Sciences for Express Scripts, one of the nation's largest managers of pharmacy benefits for Fortune 500 employers. He joined Express Scripts in 2005 and is known for his research in the areas of acute renal failure, hypertension, as well as healthcare economics. Dr. Miller earned his medical degree from the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and received additional training in the Pathology and Research Fellowship at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and training in cardiology at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Miller has a master's in business administration from the Olin School of Business at Washington University in St. Louis, and we're so happy to have him joining us today from Express Scripts offices in St. Louis. Dr. Steve Miller, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Well, Bruce, thanks for having me. We're really excited to be with you today. Well, so tell us, Dr. Express Scripts, one of the nation's largest pharmacy benefit managers, they do a big survey regularly on this whole idea of waste and how prescription drugs are used. Tell us a little bit about this research. Yeah, this is really exciting. Bruce, as you know, we manage the pharmacy benefits for really tens of millions of Americans. And so we have great insight each year as to what's happening with the trends, that is the year-over-year spend in pharmacy. And historically, we have always looked at the market forces that make those trends go up. That is, when I talk about market forces, I'm talking about inflation rates or the prevalence of a disease. But with the rising of behavioral economics, we actually decided to look at it a little different this year. We said there are market forces that people cannot control, like inflation, like the prevalence of a disease, but there also are a lot of factors that are under people's control. For instance, are people choosing to move to low-cost brands or generics that's truly under a patient or a doctor's control? Are they looking for the cheapest channel to buy that drug at? That's clearly up to the patient or the doctor if they're going to do that. And even most important are, are they going to adhere to their medication as their physician wrote for it? When you look at these behaviors and what you can do, we discovered that you could save $163 billion on an annual basis. That's billion with a B. Billions on an annual basis. And so if you look at that over the next decade, because of inflation and the growing population, we're talking about two trillion dollars a year of savings on the pharmacy side that could be accrued over the next 10 years. And these are simple behaviors that people can control. We're not talking about weight loss. We're not talking about smoking cessation. We're talking about three simple behaviors. Use the lowest cost drug that's safe and affordable. So the low cost brand or generics. Use the low cost channel, be it retail or mail that's available to you. And finally, take your drugs as your physician prescribes. And that is interesting because you, you guys break them down. And if I could, in the information you gave me, you're talking $106 billion from medical costs of non-inheritance to therapy, 
$51 billion in missed opportunities related to lower-cost medication alternatives and $6 billion in missed opportunities related to lower-cost options for delivery of medications. If we could go through those for our physician and their patient listeners out there, and maybe if you could give us some examples in each of these areas, and we could start off with the $106 billion, which quite frankly is what healthcare reform is supposed to cost, $100 billion a year, from medical costs of non-adherence to therapy, what are patients doing and what can they do to remedy this? So this is actually, as you identified, the biggest bucket. It's adherence. And let me give you some statistics that support this. For instance, if you take patients who have heart failure, the readmission rates to hospitals in the next 30 days after discharge is 20%. One out of five will go back to the hospital. And it's been demonstrated that if you could just get the patient to adhere to the medication regimen on discharge, you can cut that in half. Now, when you think about that, we spend $30 billion a year on readmissions for heart failure. If you could save just half of that, you're talking about $15 billion for that one disease alone. And so that's how you get to this $106 billion is you can look at the problems you're having with heart failure, asthma, diabetes, all of those chronic illnesses that the physicians are well aware of, and the tools now exist to help them adhere to their medications. So let me give you an example. We have something called glow caps. Glow caps is a device that goes on top of a pill bottle. And what happens is when you don't take your prescription on time, it starts flashing a light. <laughs> if you still haven't taken them on time, then a couple minutes later, it starts beeping. And then finally, if you still haven't responded, it will actually call your cell phone, or even worse, your mother or your wife's cell phone, to remind them to remind you to take your medication. Using devices like this, using reminders, using letters of authority, we have been able to show that we can drive up the level of adherence significantly, often at really low costs, and so we can make the impact on these patients with heart failure, with asthma, diabetes, and we truly believe this $106 billion is within our grasp and within our grasp in a short period of time. I sort of think of my mother-in-law in South Florida, and I don't know if she's going to hear this or not and get mad at me, but, you know, she's got the plastic pill box, you know, and every day just different pills that she takes. I'm sure this is something that elderly Americans go through every morning, but in reality, they're not going through it. Is that what we're saying? I mean, is it largely older Americans? Do they forget? Do they not put their pills in the pill box? I mean, tell me a little bit about this. It's actually pretty complicated because there are multiple reasons why people don't adhere. So we've actually broken these down into some categories. So for instance, there is the patient who sees the value of the medication. They clearly understand it, but they voluntarily don't adhere. So these are patients that are often either having side effects from the medication, or these are patients that don't want to become medicalized, so they just don't want to believe they have to be on a medication long term. So they are voluntarily not taking their medication, even though they know the value. For that particular patient, you need to have a professional call out to them, so a pharmacist calls out to them and, or a physician and walks them through why they need to be adherent. And if they talk to them using these behavioral economic terms and talk to them instead of how they can gain health, but talk to them about how they may lose health. So if I tell a diabetic, you take your medications, you will live longer. That's effective. But if I tell them, if you don't take your medications, your chance of blindness, kidney failure, heart attack go up, I'm able to get twice the response based on the words I use. Losses loom larger than gains for our patients. And so for those patients, they need a professional reach out to them, but they need to talk to them in terms that will really compel them. 
A second class of patients are those patients who actually just procrastinate. So this may be yourself. It surely is me. I'm on a chronic medication. I have three pills left. I tell myself I need a refill tomorrow. I have two pills left. I tell myself, oh, I got to get a refill tomorrow. I have one pill left. Soon I have no pills left. And we know these patients exist because they always come back to therapy, but there's these gaps in care that can last days to weeks. Those patients really benefit from actually being in male pharmacy where the pills automatically come to their house and they don't even have to remember to go to the pharmacy. We've been able to demonstrate that when you actually have automatic refills that come to you directly, you can close that gap dramatically, get better control of your diabetics, and actually lower the medical costs of taking care of diabetics. So the refill procrastinator patient can often be cared for just by having automatic refills. Let me just remind our listeners, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Steve Miller with Express Scripts, which is one of the nation's largest managers of pharmacy benefits. And hopefully our physician and patient listeners out there will also be hearing, and maybe the president himself, Express Scripts is talking about ways you can save over $100 billion by encouraging people to take their medications, adhere to their medications. And doctor, I'm sorry I interrupted, but if you could go ahead and continue those thoughts on what patients and their physicians can do in this regard. You know, I I don't want to overstate the point, but it's actually understanding the patients and coming up with solutions for them that actually meet their needs. So if you're a refill procrastinator, put these people into auto refill programs. If you're someone who just periodically forgets using these things like low caps, if you're a patient that intentionally doesn't take it, then you want to use tools like having a pharmacist reach out or an MTM program to actually coach them through it. So having these proven programs, we know we can drive up adherence, and we know that there's actually, for certain diseases, tremendous medical savings. Are you seeing any new trends? I know you guys do this. I mean, anything that surprised you at all in this recent survey that Express Scripts hasn't seen before? And I'm sure you've seen a lot given the tens of millions of claims that you file every year. Yeah, I think the most alarming trend that we see in the drug trend report this year is that growth in diabetic medications is staggering. It's growing about 10% year over year, and that, as you know, it's a direct consequence of the growing girth of America, that is, the obesity epidemic. And so if we continue to actually grow diabetic spend like we are, it will be the single most expensive class of drugs over the next two to three years. In this area, I believe there are a lot of generics, too. You know, that's something where physicians and their patients, do they often have that conversation? What's interesting is is the system is actually, when I practice, and like many of your listeners practicing, the system is designed somewhat upside down. What happens is you come to my office, and I go to my sample cabinet, I give you a medication. Usually it's the newest, latest, greatest medication that's also going to end up being the most expensive for you. And then only if the patient asks for something cheaper do I de-escalate to a generic or a low-cost brand. Really, the system needs to be the exact opposite. I should start all patients on the generic or low-cost brand, and then only if they fail to respond to that medication should I escalate to the more expensive, newest, latest, greatest. And so we actually are training people right out of med school and early into practice to practice somewhat upside down when it comes to a cost-effectiveness standpoint for the use of drugs. How does healthcare reform play in all this? Is there anything in healthcare reform that's going to get patients 
to adhere to their medications more, put this more on doctors' radars, if you will, uh, the incentives. I mean, we had the Medicare drug benefit, and I know seniors are tend to be among our more savvier consumers when it comes to picking the cheaper option. Anything that you see going forward? So healthcare reform is, most people will tell you, has some real benefits and then some drawbacks. The real benefit to healthcare reform right now is we're going to bring 30, 32 million more people into coverage. And that's really a great thing for this country. If you think about those people who lack coverage, they come to healthcare late, they often don't have access to continuous healthcare, and they end up costing the system way more in the long haul and also have worse outcomes. And that's been very well documented. And so the fact that by 2014, we're going to add these lives to covered benefits is a great thing. On the flip side, though, when you look at the number of things that are going to actually bend the cost curve, there aren't as many things in the healthcare overhaul, but there's some very important experiments. Some of those experiments are payment reform. So as you know, in some areas, they're going to look at not just paying the doctor for the amount of care they give, but they're going to pay them for the outcome. So that if, for instance, you do surgery on someone and they have a complication, You'll get a case rate for that surgery, but the complication may fall to you to cover because we don't want to pay for defective health care. So payment reform is an experiment that's within health care reform that may eventually bend the curve. The other thing that is in health care reform that should help is the amount of money going to health care IT. We know, for instance, that those doctors that electronically prescribe use generics and low-cost brands more effectively they get way fewer callbacks from the pharmacy, and so that actually drives down the cost of health care for all of us. And so there are those things in health care that will potentially drive down costs. And then the final one, which we actually work very hard to get, is historically there were never generics for what are called biologic drugs. These are these really expensive drugs that are made from cells. These are things like growth hormone, interferons, erythropoietin. And in healthcare reform, we finally got a pathway that will pave the way so that the FDA can approve generic versions of these very expensive drugs. We believe that this is going to make for huge savings, tens of billions of dollars of savings for patients in the out years. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Steve Miller, who's been our guest. He is the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Express Scripts, one of the nation's largest managers of pharmacy benefits. And he's brought to us some alarming statistics, if you will, of ways to save $100 billion a year and then some physicians and patients having more conversations with them about adherence to medications, generic drugs. I'm Bruce Japson. I've been your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air please check us out at reachmd.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening. 